Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Kim, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the hot block commander. How you want to end up one or two hour show to get the brain running with the premise of talk sports on a national level? Vote with the topic, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the Fab Five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and greats. The 4 for 26 tour the war in Kuwait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. Always educated. What up, good people out there in War Room land? What up to the family? You are once again live in the War Room. You, of course, by War Room Sports on that War Room Sports podcast network. I'm one of your hosts, Dev McMillan, and I'm in the building with my brother from another mother, the homie B. Austin. The blueprint is off trying to... he, he off trying to instigate a rumble between Trump and um, the boy Kim Jong-un. Mm. Ill. I, I lose track. Ill. I don't even care. Um, <laughs> either way, he'll be back <laughs> in the fold next week. Look, take four of the NBA Finals, which we talked about last week. Uh, last week we said it wasn't going so good for the Cavs. Well, take four of the Finals ended with brooms and dustpans, but we're going to recap it. We got a lot to talk about. Um, you know, now the dust has been swept, no pun intended. So keep it locked right here for this and everything else happening in our world of sports. And if you want to get in on the conversation, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. Join us on Facebook or Twitter at War Room Sports. You can also call us directly in about 10 minutes after we wrap to the homie Fred Purdue about some college football action. Um, that's when we're going to open up the digital exchange tech hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. One last thing before we get the conversation started, make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air, you check out archive episodes of our show at warroomsports.com or on the War Room Sports mobile app or on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, most other places you can do podcast listening, um, except for TLA, because we, we ain't made that big time yet. You heard about that, B? <laughs> Joe Button and his his crew, they doing a podcast tour where people are paying money to yep. come into a venue and watch these guys do a podcast. Yep. Uh, I can't so, even I can't so even front is, on Joe. I can't I'm even saying, front on so Joe, dope. man. <laughs> Nothing I would ever do, even though I would love for people to do that for us. Nothing I would ever do. So, you know, it's hard it would be a hard sell for me to ask somebody to do. But it's, it's dope that, you know, you got that kind of fan base that you can go on a tour and sell out, you know, small venues for people to come sit around and watch you talk your ish on a microphone. Either way, man, it's been a crazy week, man. Jamie Foxx, Sly Stallone, latest names, the Me Too movement, <laughs> and Camille Cosby files for divorce after 40 years. I mean, I, I, you know... Which one was the straw that broke the camel's back? I mean, damn, Camille. <laughs> you figure if she was still with him at this point, was it the guilty verdict? You know what I'm saying? Like, was it uh, as long as you're not legally held responsible for this, then I'm going to stick with you? Or could this be something else, B? Could this be like Bill telling her, look, we got to do this to keep the money in the family? 
You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> these chicks are coming for a payday if you divorce me and take half or all of everything I have. We can keep it in the Cosby family. I don't know. I, a lot of this has been going through my mind, man. Like, what you could know, it be? I, having having traversed uh, almost nine years of marriage, um, I commend you for that, good brother. I try and observe uh, any opinions and judgment of what goes on inside someone's marriage because you just never mf and know. You really, really just never know, man. I, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like we could, we could say, well, what's her breaking point after 41 years? Look, common sense. You and I both, common sense. Like, well, why are you leaving him now? It don't even make no sense. But you just don't know what, why, how, or when inside of marriage. What, what two people are going through and how and why and all of that. So, yo, man. I, I don't know. I think she's well aware. I think that she, more than any woman on the face of this earth, knows who and what Pill Cosby is. And, you know, not to get on my soapbox, but to get on my soapbox. <laughs> um, I have a so level... Box it up. Of this is what we do this for. I have a level of disdain for cert- a certain segment of the black community which just acts like there, it, it's there's no accountability with Pill, and the, I know we defend no matter what segment. Yeah, I, I've said I've said this before <laughs> on air, but I just I have to revisit it because it disgusts me, man. And it's like, yo, I got a mother, I got a, a, a wife, I have daughters. Like, <sighs> at some point where yeah. there's smoke, there's fire. Like this whole defense that he was going to buy NBC. So that's why this is happening. Like, yeah. yo, come on. Like, get out of here with that. Like, it, it's to <laughs> like, a point where. Like, instead yo, of ruining love, his life, why can't NBC just say no? I love Heathcliff like, Huxtable. I love Heathcliff Huxtable in the Cosby show as much as anybody, probably more. I would say in my childhood, that's my favorite television show. Like the Cosby show in a different world. Like that that level of culture was amazing for our community and for for America at large. So I love it, and I was, but but at a certain extent, I don't even want to say if anymore. He did it; it's his legacy. Some of us are able to separate, but those that can't, it's not even their fault. Like you can't hold it against them that they can't separate. Pill Cosby from Heathcliff Huxtable and they don't want to support the great art and the great culture that that man created, man. It, it just is what it is and, and and I'll go a step further and then we, we got to move on. Bill Cosby came to Howard University in the late 90s and he was in Crampton Auditorium in front of about 30 Howard University students. Something happened there where I will never take a position that Bill Cosby is innocent. And that's all I'm going to say, man. That's all I'm going to say. Well, well now. <laughs> all right. The story with Jamie Foxx is it, it, it's getting crazier and crazier. Out there. Um, I think this was, don't quote me, but I think it was back in 2002, this woman is just now coming 
something. She said, she said Jamie Foxx tried to get her to give him fellatio, and when she wouldn't do it, he sat there in her face with his member. <laughs> I, I tried to I tried to report that without laughing, man. <laughs> and I'm sorry to the movement. But it's getting crazier and crazier out here. And with that, we're going to move on because I'm not even going to let you say nothing about that. We're going to get into some sports talk, man. I'm not, I ain't, I'm, I'm not even going to let you deal. So let me find this, this sound bite so we can go. So we can talk to Freddie Purdue about some college football because I don't First even want to hear your opinion on that. I'm not laughing. I'm <laughs> coughing, man. I'm sick. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, look, man, hot topics which include Fred's college football segment brought to you by my bookie. What up fam? Let's money and how much of it you can make betting on sports contests at my bookie, the FIFA world cup and the U S open are both underway. So if you haven't checked out my bookie, this is a great time to do so. Lay down some dough on the biggest game in sports. Join us and thousands of other online players placing bets at MyBookie.ag. You tired of getting a run around when it's time for a payout? That's why we urge you to join my bookie. You win, they pay fast without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They ha- they even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after tip-off, kickoff, face-off, whatever. Join now and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Just use promo code WARROOM, all caps, W-A-R-R-O-M, to activate this offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, Get paid, period. All right, and with that, we got Fred Purdue, World Room Sports College and Professional Football uh, contributor. We're going to talk some college football today with Fred. Fred, what is going on, good brother? Fred. How y'all doing? Fred, if she, if, if she say no, don't smack her with your junk, man. That's yeah, that advice I want to give to you, <laughs> If she say no, just zip up and leave. Don't smack her with your jump, even if you got Oscars <laughs> or Oscar. All right, so even if you're known as a great podcaster, unfortunately, <laughs> no doubt. They don't care how much college football you know. Don't smack them with your jump. All right, so look, man, we it's, it's some you know some some stuff came down the pipe this week in. NCAA football, and the first one we will talk about with you, um, the new NCAA rules for red shirts and transfers. What can you tell us about this? Well, before now, we had we always had an issue whether for for coaches, you always want to red shirt players. You always want to develop a player who may be a little bit undersized, mm-hmm. or maybe doesn't know the playbook. He comes in in the summer instead of the spring, which is the new thing now. Early enrollment, the sooner you're in, the sooner you're uh, acclimated to college life, the playbook, getting hit by grown men. I mean, it all works. These are all things that coaches have to worry about, and not on top of that, players and maturity. So before now, you know, you would get you, – you had an opportunity to uh, go into the season. If you were red-shirted, you couldn't play any games, and you play the following. You had another four years. Uh, of a, a max of five to of your college career, but now what's going to happen as of yesterday? Uh, you have the NCAA dropped a new rule where a player can play can appear in up to four games and still redshirt, which is huge wow. because if you want to, if you can see what a player has 
has uh, the ability to do. You could say, we want this guy, this backup quarterback. We want to see what he can do, especially if you're in Alabama or Ohio State. Let's see what this young guy can do. Or you can revoke his scholarship. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He said exactly. You can see if a guy can can do anything or does he need that extra year to, to mature? I mean, do you understand how coaches are going to finesse the system at this point? Because you can say, I, I can let this star, five-star running back that may not be the most mature guy, he may be banged up a little bit. We want to see what he can do, See, what, especially against some of the cupcakes we see teams play early in the season. Shout out to you, oh, Ohio yeah. State. Not, yeah, I'm throwing shots. But um, shout out to you too, um, Florida. But uh, you Gators, you know. But uh, to see this rule, I really, I actually side on the on the coach's side with this one because sometimes you you recruit a player and you want to see what he's going to be able to do, and he just may not be ready for the big stage. He may not be ready for the speed right. of the game, and he may. But be you're not sure, so it's like. Exactly. It's like you want to like, register like them, going... but you think there may be a chance that you know you you don't want to put a red shirt on them. So at least you got four games to it's be like able to. It's like renting a player early. He, it's like you can rent. You can. It's like going back in the day where you could rent the movie first, then you buy. Now this is my question, get to though, Fred. Does it have to be the first four weeks, or can you, or did, or you do, do you have a certain amount of weeks any to, to point, give them? Wow. You so said any if point? late in the season, in, any yes. point in the season. So if a coach says, if a player goes down, let's say your star quarterback like J.T. Barrett, long time ago, decides I'm gonna break my ankle at the last three games of the season, and you have a young freshman. Well, so basically, you, you got an injured reserve. Them. You do, <laughs> and this applies to every, regardless of uh, year classification. But it helps you, especially if you're a freshman. All right, so listen, this is my question. If you can do it at any time, if they do it at the end of the season and you play four, hell, say it's an Alabama dude, you play four and the fourth one's the national championship and you actually get in and help them win, do you still get your freshman year back the next season? Yep. That's a sticky situation. I might, I, I don't know. I was about to say that because if you do it That's not a question we can throw I can you. see – I can see if you do it in the beginning and and then after four, they put you on red shirt then okay, you get your season back next year. But if you do it at the end and you actually help this team do something, then I'm wondering if they're still going to give you your freshman year back the next season. I think there will be parameters around it. And I think as you go about any rule, uh, you typically see tweaks to the rule, especially seeing how coaches can, Maneuver the system. We'll see it tweaked a little bit as we go, but as of now, any player, any player can. Um, they are able to appear in it up to four games before being redshirted, and I think I think this will apply more for freshmen than anything, and more so to freshmen that may have some potential. And say this is the, especially if you're at a, a team that has a, a, a guy or two that you may not necessarily. Um, who may not necessarily be a starter, but your season's gone down the toilet and you're saying, well, we can get him in in the last couple games. We got a senior here. He's not really playing well. We can insert this freshman here, and we can still get his redshirt season back. 
So that would be beneficial to those types of, of, of players, uh, not necessarily – or an injured player. Say you have a, a, a right. one of those high-level freshmen or a sophomore or See, whatever that's what you I'm have. saying, Fred. Like you said, coaches going to finesse this. They're going to turn this into an injured list or a pop list or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're going to work it. They're going to work. <laughs> of course. If you if the best situation I would see for this, say you have a guy like a DeAndre Francois who got who had a, a patella t- uh, patella tendon injury against Florida State. I mean, I'm sorry, again, delicious um, Alabama. What? <laughs> no, go ahead. Say that again. I said delicious friend. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> DeAndre Francois, man. Look. Oh, look. Okay. You know, when you have the, the injury that he had against uh, against Alabama to start the season, you just lost your star quarterback, and you're going to lose him for a full season. So that in a, would be beneficial to a team like Florida State, knowing you're going to get that full season back, and he's only a, appeared in maybe a half. Right. Hmm. So what's the deal on the um, what was changed on the transfer rule? Because I always thought this was one well, of the worst rules in college sports altogether. Yeah. And see, this rule has – it's one of those we have a but in it. So the Mm -hmm. rule is that previously you had to inform the school and the coaches that you were transferring, and they could block you from going to any school. This is famously done by – like Bill Snyder of Kansas State, a a backup receiver wants to leave, and this is just recent, um, and he – He's blocked him from going to certain schools, and it could be guys transfer for various reasons. Whether you're a quarterbacking, you're a freshman five-star quarterback, and you can't beat out the guy ahead of you, so you decide to not wait your turn and you know be a beast and beat him out the following season, and like a, like a real dude should do. But you transfer, you take the easy road and transfer. Well, now you can you don't have to warn like your coach that you're leaving. And they're the blocks that most coaches put in place uh, are not necessarily in place anymore. But this is just an NCAA rule. But like the like like our great country of the United States, we have you have a you have a wide governing body, and then you have individual states that make their their own laws and regulations. Each conference can make their own regulations when it comes to this. So you have to you are still kind of under that umbrella of of a conference saying you have to do this or you have to do that. But it gives a little bit of power, but then it takes a little bit back from every player. It's kind of a hedging the, the NCAA is hedging their bet a, a little bit here. And this is all across NCAA. That's just not that's not just football, yeah. right? Just okay. division one. Um yeah. Question, because I thought I heard that there was a tweet to this a few a couple years ago. Do players still have to sit out the year after transferring, or did they change that? Um, Players, if you're a graduate transfer, you don't have to sit out. Um, These kind of things are a little bit different because it's a case-by-case kind of deal. Um, Was that the John Franklin III rule? (laughs) (laughs) What was the transfer like? I mean, with this, you can transfer if you're already done with your degree. You can you can go ahead and transfer out as a graduate transfer, and you can have up to two and a half seasons, two years to do this. Uh, especially if you redshirted your freshman year, and right. when you 
decide to finish out the next two years. At, at that point, you're really a junior, but they call you a redshirt sophomore, and then you can transfer out. You have two years of eligibility left. So, but if you're, and you don't have to sit out immediately. You can just instantly play. But if you're a freshman and you transfer, you still have to sit out. Now, speaking of your boy, John Franklin III, as many times as he's transferred or, and as long as he's been in college, I'm assuming he has a doctorate degree in something, right? <laughs> I, uh, a doctorate in nothing. He's a master of none. I mean, dude, he's like 30, like 30 though. <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it, it so seems like it's, there's a few players that throughout the time Chris Winky of, fans, of my time watching college football is, J.C. Barrett was Ohio State quarterback. Was one of them. Like it just seemed like he was in college. Yeah, another dude. It seemed years. like he'd been like, in college for eighteen years. Yeah, like come yeah. on, these and, dudes should have doctors. For me, for me, I actually agree with this rule because at some point, as far as the transfer rule um, of a guy sitting out, I'm kind of in favor. I'm really in favor of that because you don't want college football to be free. Have free agency. Uh, a guy decides I don't like it here, so I'm going to transfer. And we already know about the. The, the influences of um, of, mon- of the monetary value on players, um, handshakes that that uh, contain money and benefits and things under the table. We're not. Shut I'm not, shut I'm not the big money anything. I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. not alleging anything. But I'm not saying anybody's doing this, but we know things like this happen. So when you see things like this, you you don't want a guy just up and going. Say. You're in this, and the best example would be Jalen Hurts at Alabama right now. He's in a um, he's in a quarterback battle, and he's a junior now. So if he decides I don't, I lose the battle. I'm transferring out. I want to go to Oregon because, and Oregon's never been on his list of things, regardless of what he was recruited. He's never talked about Oregon, but all of a sudden now he wants to go to Oregon, and we we don't know why. More than likely, you know why. So you don't you gotta, want a you situation money like that. Hug. Not a big money head hand, exactly. but a big money exactly. head hug. Exactly. What's the, what exactly. is this guy we keep talking about that's been that's currently been in college for for fifty eleven years? What's his, what's his name? John Franklin the third. He was on John Franklin um, the third. The Netflix he show that Fred and I watched. Last Chance You. He he wants to be a quarterback. He was a, he was a, a backup quarterback. quarterback to Jameis Winston. He was a backup <laughs> quarterback at Auburn. He was a backup. He was a, a to James, James Winston is a five year veteran in the NFL. <laughs> But, but he was, yeah, and he was a backup. He was a backup quarterback at the junior college that he went to. That at so many community college, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it he wanted like to get John drafted as a quarterback. In college I think. What did he get drafted as a receiver or something? Or he got no, signed? He's, a, a, he's, he's a, present. He's presently he's a safety. He's a. He's an. He's a. He's oh, an he's one of them. Wait, they moved him again. He is a safety now. Yeah, he's a Yo, he's I a, swear he got signed. They call, he's a weapon. He got signed he's as a weapon. wide receiver. Weapon, weapon, weapon John. Weapon X. <laughs> Not even weapon, weapon X, X, just weapon John. <laughs> Yo. All right, Yo, so you Fred, man. Joe Paterno used to just give all the black kids that were really fast but didn't know how to read the playbook the term athlete. That was their position. That's what he is. All right, so look, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe this when I read it, but there's going to be the, the NCAA approve three more bowl games on the 600. That more bowl games. Oh, hey, man, I'm telling you guys. Put in, Every school put in, in Division One going to go to a bowl. Is that what this is? I'm telling you. 
put the War Room Bowl out there because at the end of the day, you, gotta get some you can't go wrong. Some sponsors. We're going to do a GoFundMe, man, for the War Room Sports Bowl because they're just giving them out. They've and and Fred, not only – At this point. Right, and they're not only doing three more. One of the sites of, is reported to be Myrtle Beach. First, I didn't know Myrtle Beach had a football stadium anywhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're just going to play on the beach. Like, come on, man. We play bowl games they outside said, of the um, country. They said Chicago, Myrtle so, Beach, a third site is unknown. But in 2020, 84 teams will go bowling. 84 teams. No, there's, participation. There's not 84 teams good enough to say, I made it to a there aren't 84 teams good enough to say There that. are not. There are not. <laughs> and and for me, this is more for the, the the group of five schools. You'll have a Big Ten ACC matchup, which will be more than likely your sixth, sixth or seventh team in your conference. Uh, their reward – we in this era of participation trophies, it's That's really, it really bad. Personally, I think – Bowl games reserved for teams that are. It should, you should have to have at least an eight and four record to participate in a bowl game because at that point we know you're a half decent team. Because honestly, bowl games are bad until you get about to about week two. Maybe you'll have a team. You'll have some some decent players at some lower te- at lower tier uh, conferences, but. No one wants to see San Jose State versus UMass. We don't want to see this. It's football, and we'll watch it because that's at the point where football is going away. But in reality, I've, that's, that's like a step below preseason football, and, and no one wants to watch preseason football. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Before we get you out of here, you know, and some of the stuff, we do way too early, <laughs> and usually this stuff is, you know, a part of um, our college football coverage on our own podcast that people haven't heard in a while. But trust me, people, we will be back at some point. We will be back. We promise. But Fred, before we get you out of here, let us know what the odds are for some of the Heisman hopefuls out there already <laughs> in the month of June. Well, we we do have our betting odds. So, like like you said, Dev, if you you want to go out go out on my bookie and put those bets in for that, get the bets in early. You might, I mean, we've seen we've seen large odds happen with in hockey, so you never know. Uh, but we have two defensive players. I it's every year you always get it. It never really they're not realistic, but uh, I'm it's, say, it, you I know don't they're not for defensive. No, you're not. But you have Nick Bosa, brother of Joey Bosa uh, at Ohio State, 80 to 1 odds. Ed Oliver at Houston, who I think is probably going to be the number one overall pick next year in the NFL draft. He is also has uh, he has 80 to 1 odds. You have names such as Bryce Love, running back from Stanford, who has 5 to 1 odds. Jonathan Taylor uh, from Wisconsin has 7 to 1 odds. He might just be the best running back in the country and he might have a good chance at winning it. Uh, you also have Tua from, from Alabama, who has 10-to-1 odds. I, I, prisoner of the moment, I'm warning everyone, please get away from the prisoner of the moment. The kid played really well in a half. He's not the best quarterback in the country. He, he, he hasn't even won the job yet. Let's be serious. Hmm. Uh, Jake Fromm, Georgia quarterback, 
Uh, he has 14 to one odds and some other names such as Justin Herbert, quarterback, Oregon, Khalil Tate, uh, uh, quarterback from Arizona. I don't see that happening since we put their changing offenses. Kevin Summers, now your head coach. That's going to be a problem. Uh, DeAndre Swift, an unproven running back who has really done nothing at Georgia. Jake Browning at Washington. Uh, Jarrett Stidham at Auburn. J.K. Dobbins, who could be a nice dark horse at Ohio State. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, <laughs> that'd be a nice way to go out on a bang. Go win the Heisman and then go play baseball and make a lot of money. That'd be great for him. Uh, Shea Patterson at Michigan. Yeah, and Will Greer. That you told us last week that he trashed. So. <laughs> 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 and he better take that offer. <laughs> yeah, you might want to take that offer. I, for me, I want to see a lot. I want to see a lot of these players are unproven. Kyler Murray, obviously. Tua, obviously. Uh, some of these, Shea Patterson, he. He could be a nice dark horse, but I don't trust Michigan at all. I think John, I mean, um, Jim Harbaugh might be a little bit overrated at this point, uh, and I hate saying that because I really love them at the NFL level. But a lot of these players are unproven as full-time starters, so we'll definitely get a chance. I think at the top, your guys like a Jonathan Taylor or a Bryce Love, those guys are the proven products, and you know what you're getting with those guys. Leading rusher, Heisman finalist. But I, I – we got a little time to discuss this because you know how we, you know how it goes when you have Vegas odds. Vegas is usually right, but who knows? It's college football. There's always a dark horse. All right. Well, shout out to all the guys and good luck. Fred, as usual, it's been a pleasure, and we will rap to you about some more That's college pretty. football happening next week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. No doubt. That's Fred Purdue, everybody, War Room Sports College football contributor. And and real quick, before we go to the phone lines, where we had a call online, looked like it just dropped. You know, we just wanted to give a, a, a shout-out, a congratulatory shout-out to the NHL uh, champions, the Stanley Cup champions, long overdue, the Washington Capitals. And, you know, living here in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, oh, that must have been like hell. region that was starved for a champion. And, you know, though there's all of a sudden so many diehard black hockey fans after last week, I feel y'all. <laughs> Do your thing. I'm pretty sure y'all wish it was other teams, but sometimes you just take what you can you get. Um the Caps have been a team over the last few seasons who have gotten the reputation to be kind of choke artists because they'd be right in the regular season and then they usually go up against their nemesis, Pittsburgh, um, in the playoffs and lose. They got past Pittsburgh um, this year in the second round and I think a lot of people from that point on thought, like, this may be special. And even though they went through some adversity in the in the in the postseason, they ended up pulling it out to to win the, the club's first ever Stanley Cup trophy. And trust me, they've been partying. The boy Ovechkin, he's still drunk, and I think he's been drunk since the night they won. <laughs> they've been showing this dude on news newspapers every place you see him. He drunk 
or drinking beer straight out of the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Like, the dude, he had a photo where he was in the bed with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I ain't even mad at him, man. I ain't Not even mad at him. You know what? I'm, he's partying it up. You know why? Because he was that player in hockey who gets the scrutiny of being one of the best, if not the best player in hockey, but could never get it done as far as winning the title. You know, man, he right. was he he was he was Michael Jordan before Michael's seventh eighth season. He was LeBron James before LeBron went and gathered Wade and, and them boys and they got it done their second year in Miami. He was Kevin Durant until last year. He was that guy nah, where people were go get doubting that he would ever win one. Huh? I said he wasn't LeBron. He didn't go get no help from the other All-Stars in the league to come play with him. <laughs> well, no matter how he did it, shout-out to Ovi and the Cats, and shout-out to all our brethren in the D.C. area um, <laughs> who, who've been who been waiting for a championship of any kind. I'm sure they really want yeah. it to be, you know, that professional football team. Um, I think they take it how they get it right now. The only black people that understand and really know hockey and root for it come from the Detroit area or the Great Lakes area. If you're not from there, you a Fugazi hockey fan. You don't yeah. know the rules. They, you don't know they play outdoor hockey in them parts. They grow yeah. up playing hockey like we play pickup basketball. They go outside and it'd be so frozen out that piece. Yo, you remember Big uh, Big D at Howard University? He was a seven-foot lineman that should have been somewhere else, but he wasn't good. Yeah. Yo, he his first step was hockey. Like, his big ass could skate, could really, like, skate. <laughs> How you got seven million pounds and you can skate? How's that even possible? All right. So we don't want to play this twice, so we're going to get this over with for the Caps and the Warriors right now. Shout out to both of them. And we Recap these NBA finals. I know you've been waiting. For this. <laughs> um, and I've been waiting. The Dubs, the Warriors, have won their third title in the last four seasons, all against uh, King James and his Cleveland Cavalierios. Um, this time, you know, last year they did it in five. This year they won up themselves and did it in four. They pulled out the brooms dustpans and they got the sweep on the Cavs. Now we talked about series last week because at that point it was already three to nothing. So, you know, it's it's been a while. The dust has gotten to sell. You know, we haven't put our two cents in. We've seen since then though, like, yo, shout out to LeBron for his magnetism because we've seen people go out of their way all week to you know, defend LeBron and, you know, place him and his, you know, and his, and his place in history. Like 
basically everybody's just ignoring the loss and they're defending LeBron. And it's amazing. I find it amazing. I find it kind of tiring because I kind of got spammed with it. Like, homie came to the page, but like, since then, like 25 posts, all crapping on Michael Jordan, bigging up LeBron. You got to sprinkle in some Kobe crapping in there. And it's like, who are we arguing with? Like, nobody said anything negative about LeBron James, but it seems like he has this magnetism that when he loses, folks, you know, who are diehard LeBron stands, they might feel a little insecure about the stuff that they say prior to these losses, so they get on their mission. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, yo, nobody's come here and, and said anything crazy or anything like that, you know, because I, I'm the mediator. You know, I don't I don't really let people get too crazy either way about anybody. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's like when LeBron loses, people feel the need to get in LeBron defense mode. So after a finals loss, you go crapping on other legendary players to make LeBron look better. I've always said you know, like, I'm one of the dudes who like to appreciate the greatness of everybody. You know what I mean? LeBron, his career speaks for itself. But I think when you go out of your way to trash other historical athletes in his favor, I think it's because you don't really believe what you're saying. I think you know people feel a little insecure, but you know how people are in today's times. You have to take a side. I don't know why you have to take a side. But you have to take a side. So if you've taken LeBron's side and he's not delivering on, you know, what it is that, you know, a lot of people look at as the ultimate in delivery, then, chill, the defense comes out. People was out there playing a 46 for LeBron this week, and, and I found it very entertaining. But look – before you get into your thoughts on, on that portion of it, let's talk about the series. Because, you know, we did talk about it when it was 3-0. Um, so people basically knew our thoughts on most of the series. But game four was a different animal. Because I saw you on a few conversations say some things about what went down. And it was kind of reminiscent of some years past when LeBron, the Cleveland Cavalier, um, in a closeout situation where he got his numbers because he's always going to get his numbers, but you don't necessarily think he left it all out there on the floor. So, so, so talk to me. What are your thoughts? What did you see to make you think he didn't leave it out all out on the floor? I'm going to ask you, are you looking for me to give my analysis of the series or one LeBron Raymond James, which I got to take a, I gotta take a dump on dude uh, for that game. I mean, LeBron is LeBron is the biggest player in the game. LeBron, you know what I'm saying? Kevin Durant mm-hmm. can win the MVP. Steph can have his best finals ever, and the talk is still gonna be about LeBron. So you're not right. gonna escape it. So you know you can, you can talk yeah. about. We I want you to talk about the series. Tell me overall um, what happened in the series. Why it was so easy for the Cavaliers, but we're not gonna escape this without talking about LeBron and how many perceive he went out in game four. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to LeBron and his quitting in a second. Let me take the time to extend a salute to the Warriors as the champions, the world champions uh, of the National Basketball Association. I know you hate that because it's like, how are you a world champion 
in yeah, a national I hate, league. I hate y'all American. You ain't played anybody else in the world, but you're world champion. That's mm-hmm. what but um, <laughs> I, the Warriors, I believe that they were the best team in the NBA, but not necessarily by much. And they weren't as dominant this season as seasons past. And maybe that's them figuring out that they can coast to a certain extent in the regular season. And there's rumors of some turmoil going on in the locker room. From start to finish in this series, Dev, the Warriors never took it the Warriors never took it above eighty nine percent, man. You think the Warriors never played they never they never were threatened. They never competed from start to finish because they never had to. Man, Cleveland played so poorly in this series that, except for game one, where LeBron did have a game for the ages, um, man, they, they, they can't beat that team, man. I don't think the Warriors were ever threatened. Um, it really was somewhat boring. Unless, as a basketball purist, you get to enjoy real basketball and seeing the Warriors move the ball because they, they have that <clears throat> versatility now, Kevin Durant, where they can play their typical Warriors ball, uh, backdoor cuts, getting layups, which people fall in love with watching their shooting because they had two of the greatest shooters of all time ever anywhere in the universe. But they're really predicated on getting layups. And they back your defense up and condense your defense because they get so many layups that it then opens up the shooting from the wings and perimeter. They were just killing these dudes with the ball movement. The crazy the- part, the crazy part for you about the point that you just, you just made is that they fooled the rest of the league into thinking that that's what they are, though. And now they have yeah. the rest of the league trying to put teams together to mimic them. And everybody's launching mm-hmm. threes and looking stupid, but you think that's, yeah. you know, because you're shallow enough to think yeah. that's all the Golden State Warriors do. The only cat that doesn't get to the cup is Clay. And that's because Clay don't have no hands other than shooting. He can't do it. He don't do <laughs> it. Like everybody else in the team. On the play, you might want to call somebody because I'm going awry. <laughs> even when he goes, yo, even when he goes to the rack, somebody else had to do the dribbling, and they just pass it to him. He's already there. Like he gets layups off of two steps and a layup. Like, but that that's neither here nor there. I'm really, I was really impressed. It's just beautiful to watch their offense work and their ball movement. And yo, God bless Dre, uh, Big Welvin, aka Draymond Green, because into a situation where his skill set is perfect. Him and Andre Iguodala allow the Warriors to have two players who aren't really traditional point guards that have point guard skill and point guard game, which just allows Curry and, and, and Clay and, and to just freelance off the ball and just run around and get layups and pull up from the elbow, and okay, now it's time we're going to stop running the sets. We're going to give the ball to KD, 
and he's going to pull up some dumps from someplace stupid and it's going to go in or he's going to run to either elbow and pull up or he's going to turn over the shoulder on the baseline from 16 and score or Curry's going to do a dribble sequence, tween, 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 hezzy, hezzy, pull up from 30. I mean, it's it's just beautiful to watch, but they never played hard. They never were threatened. It was easy. It was easy. And you know who you have to blame? The GM. Except for maybe maybe game one. The game one, LeBron showed his his greatest assets, his greatness, and the fact that he's a coward a little bit because he got so flustered with J.R. Smith's you know, lack of a brain that he gave up in overtime. He just gave up. He said, yeah. I quit. I gave you 51 points, and, and I saw – I have to call out Steven Jackson a little bit because I have a high level of regard and respect for him because he's created a brand for himself where his honesty is what everybody goes to. Steven Jackson would just say anything. I can tell that Steven Jackson in the media is conflicted when he speaks about LeBron because he appreciates the skill and the ability. But he also knows that that dude is not a dog, and he is not about quitting at all. And LeBron quits, man, when, when, the, when the going gets tough. And, and people criticize <clears throat> us for the level of objectivity and criticism that we, that we level at LeBron, but it, because it's like, oh, you're splitting hairs. When you're talking about the greats and the table of gods and the greatest player of all time, you don't have any criticism left but hair splitting. We're at the top of the mountain peak. There's nothing left but. So, yes, he had a 51-point game, but I have to criticize the overtime and two shots because that's, that's all that's left. You could argue a lesser player, you could argue and say, yo, that dude scored 51. Somebody else got to do it in overtime. But when you're arguing to be the greatest to ever have played the game, you can't have that mistake in the finals. You can't only take, and I'm only talking about game one. Lord, no, we haven't got to game three and game four. In game one, you drop 51, nine and nine or something crazy like that, almost a triple double, but you only take two shots in overtime because you're frustrated with Teron Lou not calling timeout. You're frustrated with George Hill missing the free throw. You're frustrated with J.R. Smith being J.R. Smith. He's the clown prince. You're frustrated with all of these things to a point where you only take two shots. And I'm tired of all of the people pointing to the things that LeBron does so great, so great, but missing the fact that you, you have to score to win the game. They don't count rebounds, steals, blocks, assists to tally up a winner. It's scoring. And he can score very, very well. He's a great scorer. But he, he, picks, he picks times where he doesn't want to score and he gets credit for making, quote, unquote, the right basketball play. There are times that I want Kyle Korver to take the shot. He's a great shooter. And there are other times in a game where if you're the greatest player in the world and Kyle Corver's open, it doesn't matter. I'm shooting it. See, but even anyway. with the whole with the whole notion of making the right play, like people double talk when they say that too, because you know, I hear so many people say that 
He, I mean, people take it to the extreme. He, he pulled D-League talent <clears throat> to the NBA Finals. All right, if these guys are so bad, then why is the right play ever to give them the ball with a few seconds left in the game? Why is that ever the right play if these guys aren't even supposedly talented enough to be in the NBA? That kind of stuff I just like to question. And, and for me, I'm not questioning LeBron. It's just the, the people who say irrational unrealistic and just sometimes ridiculous things in his defense, even when LeBron Listen, is not being attacked, it's like people just feel the knee. I think it's so amazing. And I'm sure, you know, back in the day, there would have been the same type of thing for Michael Jordan. Um, you know, had we had social media and you can hear everybody's opinion. But once Michael Jordan got over that hump, Mm-hmm. Once he got over that hump, mm-hmm. there was no more excuses mm-hmm. to be made. Like he damn near won at will once he got over that hump in 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 year seven. Um, people have been so desperate that they're going back to that. Then why couldn't he win before year seven? Why couldn't he beat the Celtics? This and that. Well, there's always kind of been not just in basketball but in sports, kind of like a rites of passage. It's always been a process to everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, before this one team breaks out, then they have to get over this certain hump. I mean, and we might have got over that Pistons hump, never got over the Celtics hump because, you know, that thing was dissolved by the time, you know, he got over the hump. He gets over that Pistons hump, and then everybody now who wants to crap on Mike, well, the Pistons were old. The Pistons were back-to-back champions and favorites to do it again. How are they old? Like, and people just say things, and I – it's just weird for me because a lot of people just let people get away with it because I don't know. That's just the world we live in. Like we have the greatest tool that we've ever had in life in Google, but nobody wants to use it if they don't already have the knowledge. So they let people just make things up and it just, and it just, I don't know, things just stick. But let me, let me stay on topic because I, you know me, I'm not even trying to get into that comparison. I, I think the whole continuing argument it's silly. Like, why can't you like both players? I don't know. But as far as like game four goes, now we saw how that game started to get a little bit out of hand. Um, and just like, you know, like that infamous game five against Boston that time, it, LeBron at the end kind of looked disinterested. And even back then, people were like, all right, well, he had this, this, and that. How much more could he do? You can leave it all out there. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's not about how much more you could do on the numbers tip, on the product productivity tip. Sometimes it's it's it's, it's about effort. You know, and, and even myself, you know, I try to defend LeBron on some of this stuff, but some of this stuff is indefensible because when somebody tells me like, you know, like game one in, in overtime, you know, and then game four when they're when they're pointing out to me exactly what they're seeing this, making it look like he's disinterested. It's like, for no player am I interested in just making up stuff. So if you point out something to me and I look at it and I'm like, damn, you, you're kind of right. That's what it looks like. Then that's just what it looks like. I'm not, a, I'm not a body language expert, but I can tell when somebody basically stops shooting. You know, they're giving the ball to these guys that supposedly are no help um, like and it, and it looks a little it looks a little shit at times. I've even heard people come out 
and say, well, yeah, LeBron didn't give us his full effort because he knew that the team didn't have a chance. So why extend yourself? Like people are actually saying this, B. <laughs> Yo. Why extend yourself? Yo. No, your team wasn't good enough to beat this team. I, I, flash, I walked away. LeBron beat this team before when people didn't think that LeBron and the Cavs could beat this team. I know it were different circumstances. There was no Kevin Durant on the team, things like that. But you never know what's going to happen I, when you get full. I, I, I walked walk away from those conversations, Deb, because those type of arguments, the being the person that I am and what how the, the esteem that I hold sports and competitiveness – that literally, those arguments literally caused in my spirit the desire to harm the person making that argument. <laughs> so I had to just, get, I just had to walk away from, like, there. When you excuse quitting, like you can, it's okay to say, "Yo, LeBron made a mistake. He quit. He's still, in my opinion, the greatest ever." I can respect it. I, I, I can. But when you excuse it as if it's not. A, 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 a mistake as if, as if it's not a faux pas like I can't like now I hate you because you're disrespecting it's not about LeBron anymore you're disrespecting the game you're disrespecting sports you're disrespecting compet- it goes back to what I, my tagline competitive greatness it's like you make an excuse for him not having to live to a standard a true standard of competitive greatness because his skill set and talent is so great that he can, he can lag off. He can quit in a game and still put up the numbers. So you're arguing based on the numbers as opposed to the performance and ultimately the result. And that, that I can't abide by that, 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 and that's what it really is for me and LeBron. Like I don't really hate, there's only one sports figure that I hate. Like, I don't really dislike LeBron. I, I, I think LeBron seems like a pretty cool dude, and he's very talented. But his fandom, his fans, and the generation that he comes out of and the things that he kind of thinks are acceptable based on that support, it, it, we cut from different claws, and I can't, I can't abide by that, man. Like, he, he quits, right. man. He quits. Let's go, to the, uh, let's go to the phone lines. Let's see if we call this thing. He might have mailed it in during that game four. Let's go to Tobias out in Arizona. Tobias, what's going on, good brother? In the war room. Roll damn tide, fellas. Roll damn tide. Yeah. What's your thoughts? You think mailed it in in uh, game four? Of course he did. Of course he did. Honestly, he mailed it in in game one. And my thing is, hey, it's okay to be mad at JR and the coach. It's okay to be mad. But that that was not game seven. That was not the end of the game. You still have five minutes. A leader will be like, hey, I know you messed up. But, hey, we still got five minutes to win or lose. Let's go ahead and win this thing. You know, at the whole series, these pundits made like they lost the series because of game one. And my thing is, hey, yeah, he talked about his 51-9-9. We know that stat line by now because they always say they are the only person ever had 50 points and nine whatever. But he did quit. He did not show leadership because you have to be a leader. It's okay to be mad. But it's another thing you can't talk to your people. You're not sitting there. You're not talking to them because you need to lean on that guy, not just for game one, 
for two, three, four, five, six, or seven. You need to, those guys to lean on you. And but when he talks, he always talks about my guys and all that stuff. Never about the team. It's always about himself. And, uh, and so, but everybody makes excuses for him. They always. It's like when Kobe gave a fair critique. My thing was maybe Kobe just matured as a man, as a player, because he was younger than LeBron when he had to take all this stuff on. And they keep talking about he ran off Shaq. Jerry Buss didn't want to pay Shaq because Shaq was always out of shape and he was getting older. Right. But they wanted to change right. the narrative. Yeah, Jerry chose between his two superstars. He chose Kobe. You know, I run Shaq. Oh, and, you, know, oh. you know, people want to create narratives, especially when they have personal feelings, positive or negative, towards the players involved. They want to create their own narrative, man, and everybody believes it. The biggest excuse that we haven't addressed, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your your thought, um, Tobias, and of course yours, Dev, is after game one, LeBron allegedly gets so angry that he punches a whiteboard and bruises his hand. Have you guys said well, he broke what, it? What are you? Like no, well, no, no. I don't I, like because I don't want this. I don't want it to be a pile on LeBron's situation. But this is something, in my opinion, that first of all, you let somebody else come out and say. It's like after game four, he literally came out to the press conference with a wrap with the cast. on his hand. You did this game one, and you didn't have a wrap on your hand at no point at any press conference during the series. So whether it's legitimately broken or not, you know, there was no signs. There was no talk of it. You know, there was no, no wraps. Even if it's legitimately broken, the fact that you came out after getting swept and you got that on your hand, it kind of looks like you're using it as an excuse. Hey, guys. Dad, it, wasn't, it wasn't broken. It wasn't broken, Dev. He said it was as good as broken. Because I, I haven't even followed it. I've been that disinterested in that storyline. So it's not broken because a lot of people are still saying, you know, the kind no, of No, it's not broken. I literally got you know a text hate, two minutes ago from somebody who's listening, I, I, and I guess they don't want to call in and do their defense, told me that, you know, they jokingly said, oh, I heard about LeBron might have had an affair with Beyonce. Oh, now I see why he lost the finals. Well, I'm like, well, his um, that, that is a, you know, had allegedly happened a very long time ago. So I guess it was a lingering effect, huh? And then they said that and a you broken know what hand. I think, so it was like... People are still quoting this broken hand as the reason that they lost. I, I, I yeah, they're going to run with whatever. Hello? Yeah, okay. go ahead. Yeah, I'll say this real quick, man. And I, I think those are excuses, man, and I hate that. And every time his fandom, well, look at the numbers he put up. But they still lost. It's about winning and losing. You could put have a great performance, but it's still about wins and losses. Now I already talk about what his numbers are. Not, not if you love the players. Not if you love the players. Yeah. Russell Westbrook can't put up a triple double and lose because then he's you know just a sad pair and meaningless because they lost. But if you like the person or if you love the person who does the exact same thing, then. You know, then it's a pro- you know it's, it's not a problem. It's he did everything he could. What else could he do? But people like Westbrook don't get the benefit of that doubt. Now, I've gone as far as to say, like as much as people criticize somebody like Westbrook and praise LeBron at the same time, I I really think 
they have similar styles of play. Now, when I said that to somebody before, they went crazy. Yeah, no way. I'm not saying LeBron is as frantic or wild at times as Westbrook, but I'm talking about the basis of their game. And both of the bases of their game is to dribble, to pound the ball, and then with little remaining on the shot clock, make a move where you're either going to shoot, drive, or drive and kick to somebody else, which gets you a lot of assists. You know what I'm saying? Um, But it's pretty much the same type of ball-dominant style that you criticize other players for and you're not criticizing LeBron for. And then he's never had a coach – a lot to his own doing, who had the balls to, to change anything. You just, you know, LeBron is LeBron, so you let LeBron come in and play the way LeBron wants to play. And Phil Jackson when people start Michael. talking Phil about Jackson him among the great, they start using him not ever having a Hall of Fame coach as another one of the excuses. But it's like, can LeBron have a, a Hall of Fame coach? Because he's used to doing things his way. And his way has been mighty successful in this league until – you know, yeah. you get to the NBA Finals against somebody in the West. Hey, hey guys, you remember Phil Jackson challenged Michael. He was like, do you want to win or do you want to keep scoring? And Mike kind of changed things up. But also, right. Scottie Pippen and uh, Horace Grant Mature, because I remember that, I said this, people try to do what they could do. Michael took a lot of heat, and they kept saying, back in the day, it was like, you can't win a scoring title and win a championship. And I remember that Pistons game, that game seven they lost. And uh, the team only had 74 points. Pippen had a migraine. Things may have changed if he had a migraine. That stuff like that just happens, you know. Mike had 31, 8 and 8. Do you hear all these pundits back then? Like, hey, he scored 31, 8 and 8. He did everything he do. No, the Pistons was just a better team. And Isaiah Thomas retired at age 32 due to a torn Achilles. Dumars played a lot more years. Rodman played. A lot of key guys played a long time. They were still relatively young. But my thing is, Sometimes the better team just wins. And, and like, we talk LeBron's teams. The one flaw with his team, all these spot-up shooters, they can't do anything else but spot up. If he had a couple of Eric Gordons out there who could dribble like a Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams, that would be the key. But you can't just have these guys who only spot up. That makes it easy to defend. And I'll say this one more thing before I go. I hate when they say LeBron is not a natural scorer. You can't tell me you average 28 points a game for your career and you're not a natural scorer. You may not be as aggressive as these other guys, yeah. but you're a natural, natural scorer. scorer. They, they say that yeah. because you might not have as many methods to scoring as some of the great scorers, but LeBron is a scorer. LeBron is definitely oh, yeah. a, a scorer. Oh, hey, like, guys, yeah. I'll leave y'all with this. Your boy, Nick Wright, you test how you know he hates Kobe a little LeBron. He said with a straight face, Jerry West was better than Kobe. But I'll let you guys have that one. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you next Peace, week. Peace, man. All right, so, yeah, I mean, if anybody, like I said, you know, if, if, if anybody, I don't even want to call it, if anybody has a defense for some of the stuff that's been said, call in, 323-410-0012 if you already listened from your phone. Just press one if you want to talk. They, they, um, I, I've never seen an excuse, the excuses being made the way that they are being made for dude losing. Like, I've never seen, it's almost like, oh, winning doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I, I've never, I've never, and it, and it you, honestly man, because it, it gets irrational when people root for players, for athletes with their hearts and not their head. Like, for me, 
like I said, I can appreciate all the greats. That's why, like, I'm not going to tear down LeBron to make Michael and Kobe and all those guys look better. I'm not going to tear down Michael and Kobe to make LeBron look better. And, and anybody that, that would end up in those type of arguments. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to tell it like it is at that particular moment. Nobody's ab- is above my criticism. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and I was about to say nobody's beneath my praise, but there's some bums in the league that you know will never get praise from me. But these guys that are on the top of the mountain aren't in that group. And I, I, it's just it just bothers me that everybody feels the need to do that, especially I mean, you go they, they feel the need to go even harder because as LeBron's finals record plummet, they have to look for something else to lean on. And it's generally stats. We've heard a lot about how many times he's been in the finals and you know what I'm saying? We we kinda live in like somebody said earlier, I think Fred said it earlier when we were talking about all the bowl games, we're living in the participation trophy area era. So, you know, if you get in it and you put up great numbers in it, that's all people need to see. Like, it's it's no longer winning and losing. It just doesn't matter anymore. Um, there's a, a quote from J.R. Smith because they interviewed him and they talked to him about actually playing with um, LeBron James and how hard it is, uh, the pressure and stuff like that. And I'm going to read uh, some of his quotes. He's like, it's a lot of pressure, um, not for myself or my teammates, but just playing on his team. It's almost, it's a blessing. It's a gift and a curse. You play on this team and you're playing with the best player in the world and you get to witness some great historic things and be a part of it. Then on the other side, if you don't help that person win, they're looking at you. So it's a lot of pressure depending on how you look at it. Um, he, he talked about how, you know, if you lose a game, you feel like the world is coming down. You win, it's like you're supposed to win because LeBron's on your team. So, so this, these, are, these are actually things that we've said for a long time. Remember when we talked about Kyrie leaving, a lot of the stuff that we said was, you know, Kyrie, I'm pretty sure, being a superstar himself, he's tired of this situation where when they win, LeBron gets of the credit. No matter how many shots you made, no matter how many big shots and big situations you made, whatever, he gets 100% of the credit. When you lose, they're looking directly at you and all of the supporting guys. And, you know, when you're a figure as big as LeBron James, that's just what you have to live with if you're playing with him. It happens with, you know, all the big superstars. It's happened like that throughout the history of the game. That's the kind of stuff you have to live with. Some players aren't willing to live with that. J.R. Smith is actually one of the guys, you know, who has learned to live with it. And you saw what happened. All he did was not take a shot back up that might have got thrown into the second row had he tried to score over Kevin Durant. We never know. And you see how he's been the GOAT, the negative kind of GOAT, you know, for the rest of the The lower The the lowercase GOAT. Even LeBron said, I think JR is one of the most resilient guys I've ever been around. He probably took the loss as hard as anybody on the team, but one thing about JR, he has this uncanny ability to bounce back. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine it being hard playing with a superstar of LeBron James caliber. You have to be built a certain way. 
a, a way that I don't even know if he's built, but you have to be built a certain way to play with him. And mm-hmm. that goes back to, you know, another thing that people kill me about, you know, about LeBron and his probability or possibility of maybe wanting to join the 76ers and me saying, I don't think this young team is ready for that kind of pressure. Like they're good on their own. Like if LeBron decides, and we'll talk about his potential destinations later, but if say if he decides to go out West, the 76ers are good enough to possibly be a top two or three team in the Eastern conference next year and possibly make a run at least to the finals on their own. Place LeBron into that mix, they might certainly get into the finals, but are they ready for the pressure on that stage? Because they're going to learn throughout the season, like we just talked about, no matter what you do, if you lose, it's on you. No matter what you yeah, do, if you win, that's on him. And I, I think you can, you know, these are young guys trying to come into their own, man. I think you can ruin psyches like that, man. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree, I agree. I I don't. It, it, the thing you know, the funny thing about Jr. and I know you'll you'll get it as as other people won't. I miss the old Jr. Smith. Like this guy, I used to dribble and dunk for, <laughs> for the cast. Like that's not why I tune in to see. J.R. Smith. You know me. I like off-brand, obscure dudes. Once I get past MJ, AI, and 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 Kobe and Hakeem, the honorable. Like I, I like my little off-brand. You know, J. Crossover. J.R. Smith is a guy that I tune in to watch. I don't care what team he's playing for or whether that team wins or loses. I tune in because J.R. is going to take a left-footed, off-balance, fall-away 32-footer, and it's going to go in. I want to see that J.R. Smith. Haven't seen him hey, in about... I remember the J.R. Smith. They used to go to the hole and reverse dunk on people. I guess he lost. I remember the J.R. Smith. I remember the J.R. Smith that could give you 40 at least two times, two times a year, maybe three. Mm-hmm. That guy is long gone. All right, so yeah, we'll we'll get back to all of this stuff. Um, we got a couple more calls on the line, and if we we don't recognize your number, excuse us. We're just gonna give the first three numbers because we don't have a producer this evening to screen calls. So uh, I know this number. We're gonna make the calls quick because we're way behind. Um, but we're gonna go out to Rob and Callie. What's going on, Rob? Oh, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing, man? We good, Rob? What's cracking? Quick, what's on your mind? Big dog. All, all I gotta say is, uh, real quick, thank you, be awesome for your analysis, and, and thank you, Deb, because you articulated very beautifully. It's hard for me not to give LeBron props, because, but, but you know, it, the, the, his fandom, his bronze sexuals make it so hard. Because, you know, they're worse than Kobe fans when Kobe was playing. But the thing is, is that I, I, it's the generation that he derives from. This generation, I mean, you know, when six years, I was six years old in 96. And, you know, I, I remember when Michael Jordan freaking was crying when he won, he won the, um, his championship on Father's Day. 
You know, right. not a lot of people, uh, not, not a lot of people understood that. And we knew, and, and, you know, so Kobe fans, we knew the standard that Kobe had to climb to to reach the path of guys. Like, no, we ain't gonna make Jordan comparison until you get that sixth string ring. And maybe even even when he had the eighty one point game, yeah, you still gotta get that six. You still have to uphold, uphold the standard. But I I I, I um. Dang, yeah, because I want to ask you guys some good questions. I, 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 okay, Dev, I want to ask you this because you made mm-hmm. a good a good comparison. You said that um, um, LeBron's game is similar to um, to uh, to Westbrook's Westbrook. game as far as far as the ISO, but but what's the difference in effectiveness of LeBron James and and Westbrook? I mean. First of all, you always have to say, like, if LeBron can do the same stuff that Westbrook can do and he's, you know, five inches taller and 40 pounds heavier, you know, the bigger guy is always going to have more of an impact on the game. LeBron can do more. We've always talked about the post isn't his strong suit. At least a certain percentage of the time now, like, he'll go down there. And, and make it a little bit more difficult on defenses, especially if he gets switched off on a smaller man. Like, he'll go down there and do that. Whereas Westbrook doesn't really have that in, in his arsenal. Like, I, I see him go down there once in a while and try to do a little bit. But, you know, I just think LeBron is – he's LeBron James. He's the best player in the league. So his – you know, even if he plays similarly to somebody, his impact – is always going to be a little bit better. And it also depends on support and cast as well, because as much as people want to say LeBron doesn't have any help, LeBron doesn't have this, you know, he's stocked with pretty shooters. Like, he has shooters. So all throughout the season, when he's playing his iso ball, and a lot of the iso ball with LeBron, I would say this, it comes in tight situations. So if the game is close, it's nip and tuck the whole time, you're going to see a time of iso. Um, with Westbrook, it's either ISO or transition. You know, a lot of fast break stuff. He's going to try to get out before the defense gets set. But I don't know. LeBron is just going to have a bigger impact no no matter how you slice it because he's just the better player. And, you know, there's nobody in the league who who's a better player right now than LeBron James. But people go crazy when I make that comparison because when you say somebody plays like somebody, they're just expecting you to mean everything from like yeah, the mannerisms, the way they run, the way they like, They don't understand that I'm talking about you know, methodology of the game. The ball, you know, the ball it's, it, like his you, ISO you, may you. look different than Russell Westbrook's ISO, but it's pretty much the same thing. He might be a better natural passer than Russell Westbrook. Westbrook might get caught in the air a lot and make a lot of his assists from the air for a layup. LeBron sees things, I think, better, and he sees things earlier. So a lot of times when he starts to drive, he knows what he's going to do already, whereas Westbrook might be a little bit more off the cuff. But at the same time, they're the same type of player. (laughs) And people don't realize that. And LeBron fans actually takes that as a slight, oh, my God, they don't play like Westbrook. A lot of people don't know the game like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Fred Purdue, man. He he really should just stick to college bat- football in this plantation. <laughs> so, try, try, trying to say, because I'm going to ask Bielsa a question. Any guy who tries to say that Carl Malone and Gary Payton was a 
that Laker team was a super team, quit it. You know, stop. Carl Malone was 40 years old, okay, and then, he, and, then he, and played half the season. And Gary Payton, all, the only thing he had left was his mouth, okay? But, but <laughs> like, I, I think I mean, because of the names, I think you have to classify it as a super team. But wait, before you get upset, there's levels to this. There's differences. Now, when we say that now, because we weren't even using that term back then. This term kind of started, you know, in 2010 when LeBron and, and Wade and those the guys heat, teamed up. The there is a, there's a distinct difference between old guys jumping on a bandwagon to try to run chase at the end of their career than guys deciding to get together in the very prime of their life and, you know, and teaming up when those guys would be more entertaining if these guys were going at each other. Shout out to KD for doing the same thing after he pointed that out when everybody was trying to go to the to the Heat and Lakers that time. What happened to these people, you know, going at these people and then end up doing something worse in your career than these guys did. Charles Barkley, Scotty Pippen, a, a few of those guys did the same thing when they when they jumped on Houston. Um, I mean, via trade, most of them, but I think they were able to control the situation a little bit. When they went to Houston late in their career to chase a ring, um, Peyton, when they lost with the Lakers, he wasn't even done. He went to Miami. He was following Shaq anywhere he could, would go to try to chase that ring before he left. So there's a distinct difference between old dudes getting together, you know, at the end of their career trying to jump onto something and these guys who should be carrying the league with their exciting match ups playing with each other it's 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 definitely a distinct difference in the way yep. super teams are are made up okay. even that Kobe Kobe Dwight Howard um Nash like fans you know it's a lot of revision revisionist history like we could say that was their attempt to 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 Miami super team up but at the same time people had already started crapping on Dwight Howard like he wasn't crapping anymore um steve nash barely was able to get on the court anymore because of his back and then you had an, an agent kobe who was still playing at a high level and gasol who was still you know playing at a fairly high level um so that was an attempt but you know it's different when you have young legs doing it versus older heads just trying to jump on for that last hurrah thank you I think it's all sucker stuff. Don't 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 get me wrong. Carl Malone and Gary Payton were suckers for doing that. <laughs> I don't. I, want anybody I, don't, to think I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, what would you do if you get eliminated by Jordan twice, man? I mean, you, you know, that's your. <laughs> actually, both. Actually, all three. Uh, both of them did. Actually, three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But, I but, mean, it happens, and, and that's the thing. Where when people start making this comparison. You know, like I like you, you made a point earlier, Rob. Like Kobe's stands while his, his during his time in the league were sickening on both sides as well, his stands and his haters, because there's always two extreme sides and they're always very irrational. Kobe's stands were sickening, but one thing I don't remember them doing, just like you kinda alluded to, I don't remember Kobe stands just going on a mission to basically uh, diminish everything that Michael Jordan has ever done in his basketball life to try to make case for Kobe. 
they just did what they could to let you know that he deserved to be in the conversation. And there were a few things skill-wise that he may have did better than Michael Jordan. But they didn't go to the Michael Jordan didn't win until his seventh year. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen is the real reason Michael won. Like, I've seen people go on a mission over the past week to basically delete any signs of greatness from Michael Jordan. And I think that's silly too. It's almost like they didn't watch basketball until LeBron James came in the league, man. It's, it's you know, ridiculous. I was six years old when I saw Jordan freaking won a championship. I'm like, come on, dude. I freaking yeah. you can see. Come on, like, like. It, it's a lot common. of these dudes. Because I, I see it. It, 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 it even goes farther than what Jordan didn't do, what he couldn't do. I've seen people go at the era of basketball. I've seen people make videos. And pick five plays of the weakest defense that you ever saw on Michael Jordan and then act like that was the whole era. Oh, they said the 90s were so yeah. physical. Look how easy this it, was. But they yeah, show five yeah, little yeah. white guys guarding Mike it's, it's, out of thousands of plays in his career. You can do anything you want to shape your narrative. Right. And if people are dumb enough to believe it and follow it and repeat it, that's just on them. Because if you they, really they believe some of that stuff, they try to show five minutes. Uh, 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 and, and black, uh, black Am Chef, that clown. He tried so five minutes of the Lakers and Celtic rivalry of the '80s, saying "ho ho," like back then basketball wasn't was great. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I've seen all of that. Serious? You can shape your narrative anyway. Like I can, I can go back and find five minutes of the greatest basketball you'll ever see in some of those eras. I can come up now and and find five. It's a footage where I can show you the greatest things going on now, and then I can also show you five minutes of footage where nobody here is playing defense. So it's like you can um, find what you I'm gonna want. Ask, when I'm you gonna set ask your you, mind that you want something. You can I'm gonna find. ask you. I'm gonna ask you a question, Dev, and it's not to hate on that dude, but I, I'm gonna ask this: When Michael Jordan went to the elbow and turned his back to the basket, and they threw the ball in, what was about to happen? Not not from a from a him scoring perspective, from a defensive perspective, what was going to happen? Um, first of all, the, the doubles and triples were about to happen. Yo, the doubles, <laughs> the doubles and triples. That's exactly okay. A, a lot of so now, and, and you know, I even I was even in the post with some young dudes a few weeks ago where they were talking about they were talking about the illegal defense rule and how you weren't allowed to help back in the day. I'm like, and then and they all facts, 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 and this and that. I'm like, dude, you just totally like made up some whack interpretation of the legal defense rule back then that's totally not true just to make the point, you know, that you that you're trying to make. And, you know, and, and there's some people, there's some people so embroiled in that whole I'm going to slam Mike, I'm going to slam the 80s and 90s era of basketball where they're young, didn't really see him play. And the funny thing is, I respect their basketball minds, but they've made up their mind that they're just going to be trolls. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the stuff they may say is funny, but of course it goes overboard at times because you start to believe, like, yo, this dude really believes what he's saying. And, I mean, so I mean, I mean do, I take, do I take the be awesome approach and just walk away? Because it's like, because, because I talk basketball with my pops too, and he try to it, it, not, not, because he was respectfully giving the equivalent of like 
a Scotty Pippen to Dwayne Wade, you know, Batman to his Robin, as far as in um, LeBron was in Miami, which I can respect, you know, because be, be, because we can all agree that nobody can win a championship really by themselves. Nobody. Know? Nobody. You know, that's something else we've always said, because people get into these arguments and they act like the players that they're, you know, whoever side they take, a lot of Jordan fans do this too, you know, they act like people did things on their own. And, you know, in a team setting, nobody's going to win a championship on their own. You might have people who do a lot of heavy lifting, you know what I'm saying? But nobody's going to be on a championship Yo. caliber team on their own. It's, and as much as we've I joked over the years and we brought up mm-hmm. the Allen Iverson situation, that's disrespectful to his teammates too. Because Allen Iverson barely played any defense. And you got to play defense to, you know, to get to that level. So somebody what? was playing defense. Somebody was getting the rebounds. Somebody what? was getting what? Iverson the ball, you know. Well, all I got to say with Allen Iverson, y'all can blame Big Mouth Stephen A. Smith for ruining y'all chances to getting T-Mac. That's all I got to uh-huh. say about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I, I asked that question. I asked that question, Dev, because I noticed that when LeBron turns his back to the basket and J.J. Barea is guarding him or Steph Curry is guarding him, he doesn't seem to get doubled as as much. No. But what I saw in the Golden State series, they didn't Mm. commit. Like, you saw them – there were, like, two dudes in the lane who may have shit off their man but never left their man. You know, they – so it was like they were ready to do something if it got too bad. But – and I think the reason they don't commit because you know, LeBron is part to passing even if he has a little dude on him. The dudes mm-hmm. didn't fully commit. I've seen Michael Jordan have to – and not the fact that I'm even bringing Mike back up. I don't get into this, this dumbass comparison. But I've seen him work on his postgame to the point where – he would do, you know, he would get the ball and not set up, do a quick spin move to the baseline to beat double teams from coming. And it was successful a lot of times because when he got it down there, he wasn't predictable in his movement and his motion. You know, sometimes he'll get it, test you, put his, put his back, you know, lean back on you, see where you are, see what kind of pressures, what kind of resistance you're putting up. And he might go down into his dribble, do his fake, and turn around. Sometimes if you think that's what he's going to do, he'll get it, do a quick spin right away before the double even has a chance to come and he's at the rim already. Like His stuff was so refined, but Yo. whatever. But, Rob, look, thanks for your call because we got another call in line. We're going to try to get to this so we can finish everything that we had on our agenda. Um, but we'll wrap to you next week. All right, bro? All right, we appreciate you. Make that podcast, man. All right, man. God bless. Thank right. y'all, man. All right? Uh, you too. No doubt. All right, we got we – got Another one on line B. Sorry, we like I said, we couldn't screen you, so we're just going to call out the first three numbers. We're going to area code 469. You're in the war room. What's going on? What's going on, Dave? What's going to be off? This is Casey Mack. Casey Mack. Mack. What up, what it bro? Sometimes from Dallas. LeVar <laughs> Paul aficionado. What's up? Right I now, we're the home of the losers, dog. We're the home of the losers. I know you want to weigh in on nothing. this. So, what's hey, up? What's first, your, of all, first of all, do you think I'm alone. Do you think in game four? You know what? I think that 
I, we all know he was frustrated, but the problem was Ty Lue needed to grab him back and say, hey, we are still in this game. It is overtime. And Casey Mack, hey, Ty Lue's not allowed to grab LeBron. I'm about to say, but you, yeah, but somebody, somebody needed to. I mean, hey, hey, when, when, you're, when, you're, when your star, when the owner of the team is pouting, somebody's got to get that coming to Jesus. Oh, Casey, oh, you're right. You're right. But they're going with the logic that Ty Lue is conventional, and there's a conventional relationship dynamic there. LeBron does what LeBron wants when he wants, and Ty Lue is thankful to get a paycheck and be allowed alone. But you know what? Hey, hey, okay, then, then, you know what? In that case, then, yes, he quit. You go when LeBron <laughs> goes. And LeBron, LeBron told us, he, remember when they beat Boston, and he said, we got four more games to go. That let you know right there that it's over. We got four more, that we about to get swept. He said that. We have four more games. And what happened? Well, yeah, he might have misinterpreted that. He might have meant four more wins. Yeah, more wins. Yeah, six and wins. <laughs> if you were, hey, if you would have bet that the King Cleveland Cavaliers got swept, you'd have got paid. That's true. <laughs> and and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe that they would get swept. I thought it would go in five. At, at, at the LeBron moment. had more pride. Than well, his pride. Well, you, I'm like this. You know what? Back to Jr. People may not very well know about some things about Jr. 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 was missing this whole season. I was like, what the hell's wrong with him? You know, and I, I don't know if it was 60 minutes, some type of special on him. You know about Jr.'s uh, newborn kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Go I ahead think and elaborate. That been affecting him. But well, no, you know, no, I don't I know, know what birth effect, but I know it was a preemie. And uh, what it came out with 20 weeks, and it wasn't yeah. even fully, it wasn't even, it was halfway developed. And JR, this JR was see, going that, through JR through some things this season and last season. You're right. You're right. You're getting told. <laughs> and, and not to say that had anything to do with the blunder at the end of the game. I'm, but to the point, that man's, I mean, his head is screwed up. Period. Yeah. I mean, As, uh, JR is a talented dude, but he was never really the, the smartest basketball player in the bunch. Oh. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, there's no excuse whatsoever that I'm going to give JR for making that kind of mistake. He just didn't know the situation. Point exactly. Yeah, as bad didn't. as that is and as bad as it sounds, he just didn't know the situation. I think he thought that they were up by one, and he did what he did. Well, you know what? I'm like this. It's highlight it's 2020. It's like this. You got the rebound, which no one thought the Cavs were going to get the rebound. No one thought an 80% free throw should have missed the free throw. But you got the ball. Hey, if you're supposed to be the smartest uh, intellectual guy in the game, call the damn timeout. Get in front of the uh, referee. I'm gonna tell you. Get... I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you like this, Casey Mack, and people are gonna accuse me of piling on, but I'm gonna tell you like this. LeBron James was so happy that it was George Hill at that free throw line and not him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask happy. you a question about LeBron. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. I'm a LeBron apologist. You won't call me a LeBron sexual. Call me that. But you know, even today, you have to. You have to. Uh, if you're LeBron, you have to look at yourself now, because even though you're doing wonderful, great individual numbers, you're not winning. So I'm to the point. Stop pointing fingers and look. You know what do I need to do to get like maybe that's year? not working. Yeah. 
Maybe that's yeah, another Matt, thing. Kobe, be... Kobe took so much heat for what he said when he said, you know, you have to find a way to win championships. You know, of course. And you know what? You know how he found right. a way to win championships? He's sticking he it right on it. Right, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like he said, you have to find a way. He didn't say, you know what I'm saying? They made yeah. those comments into condescending comments where I didn't even read it that way because finding a way to champion to win a championship might be right. checking your ego and allowing these teams to hire a great coach. You know what I'm saying? Or Instead of wanting all the power, you just want a figurehead up there. That 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 right. been one of the ways to finding a way to win a championship. But everybody was thinking, oh, he's just mad. He's trying to put himself in on these comparisons. But if you take a minute to listen and, you know, instead of trying to attack everything that people that you think people are saying negative about LeBron, then maybe people would sit back and think about it. There are multiple ways of trying to find ways to win champions. You know when was the last time LeBron Mack. was challenged? Casey Mack, that's a great that's a great that's a great question. Um, Casey Mack, probably David Paul Black. Silas probably. And you see David Black oh, got yeah. up out of there. Paul Silas. And you see right. Paul Silas got up yeah. out of there. Because in those situations, you're always going to pick the player, especially when the player is a transcendent, once-in-a-generation type talent. You're always going to pick the player. So you let him do whatever what? he wants. And he's bought championships to, you know, Cleveland, who would have probably never won one. And, you know, he helped bring two to Miami. You know, so it's worked three times, but we want to continue to talk about how many times he's been to the finals. Like, we're going to keep getting here, and, and, and but we're just going to keep piling up these losses, which causes us to have to make excuses and, and, and take crap on everybody else. Well, he's doing his part. Nobody else is doing their part. And that's not fair. Respect to you, respect to you KC Mack, because you're the first Braun, uh, Braun homosexual that I've heard actually <laughs> hold him accountable. So I can't yeah, even call man, you a blind homosexual. Hey, yeah. I am sick, Ty. I'm to the point, it's difficult for me to listen to sports talk radio right now because they oh my guy. And and then sitting here listening listen to Kobe, you know what? If I'm LeBron, that is a challenge right there. Kobe challenged me. So, yes, you have to find out a way yeah, to Casey, win. Casey, so, Casey. And as calculating he is, as, as Casey, as calculating as Kobe is, he might have purposely challenged him because he likes to do. He knows that yeah. a lot of the greats get up when they feel like they've been slighted or when they feel yeah. like there's some bulletin board material. That Casey might be Mack, one of those. You come up with an old school mentality that assumes. What you're assuming is that LeBron loves competition and that he's addicted to competitive situations. I don't think LeBron comes from a generation or a place where he's addicted to competing. LeBron is addicted to blowing his brand up beyond where it's ever been blown up before, and basketball is a tool and a vehicle to do that. And winning is the best way to do that. I don't – Mike couldn't give two a rat's behind about being a billionaire, about being, you know, all, all of that is second to, I just want to beat you. I want to beat you at marble. I want to beat you at blackjack. I want to beat you at drinking. I want to beat you at cigar smoking. I want to beat you at white hey, women. You know I want to beat you at basketball. You know what? You I know just want to beat you. For those reasons hey, that hey, you're hey, saying, hey, hey. it's probably why LeBron James is a better human being 
than Michael Jordan, yeah. Kobe Bryant. Oh, absolutely. Those kind of guys, their obsession for a game is sick. But that's what, yeah. you know, that's what we've been used but, but, to. That's what we've been groomed to think is normal. So LeBron doesn't have that same who, kind of obsession. Who, uh, and look it's who showing. Michael Jordan, <laughs> look, who, look who Michael Jordan and Kobe had around them. They had folks yeah. at one point in time that they, were be- that they looked up to. They said, you know, I got to be better than him. Their own teammate. I got to yeah. be better than Shaq. I got to be better than James Worthy. You know, now to the point, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be cut off with them. Who LeBron look up to? Nobody. He never had to look That's up to. That's the point, though, because they've catered to LeBron yeah. since day one. We're going to build it around you. This goes back to uh, having a daddy in your life, too. You know. Oh. <laughs> it is. It hey. is. Makes sense. It no, is. It, it, and you know that's why that's why, you know, LeBron got that dog in him because he had no dad to be like this. Shut the you know, yo, shut up, you know. Casey Mack is actually making a great point because I've been on my six year old son about this a lot lately. You know what I'm saying? And and me and his you know, his mom have been at some odds because I'm thinking like, look, the stuff that you're doing is not helping him in the future. Like, you know, when he's playing a sport and he's getting you know, he's pouting because things aren't going his way and stuff like that. Well, I'm, I tell him every time, like, dude, first of all, you're six. You're just learning how to play this game. Just because somebody told you you were a little good at it doesn't make you perfect. I'm like, LeBron right. James, the best player in the world. He misses shots. You know what I'm saying? Mike Trout, he gets thrown out sometimes. He gets struck out sometimes. Like, yep. the fact that you think that everything is supposed to come to you easily – is, is is why you know he's pouting like this, but I'm like I'm not gonna allow it. It's, it's not gonna continue because I'm gonna keep being hard on you. Everybody else can be soft on you, but I'm gonna keep being hard on you until you get this out of your system. Whatever you say is not going your way. Instead of pouting, use it as motivation to be better. Right. So mom, this summer, this summer, when it comes to sports, Hey, this summer, those four horsemen buddies are here. They need to tell him, baby, you know, if you want this brand new road, you better get somebody that's going to get your butt. Even if you're 16, Popovich, the only one he respects, go to Popovich. Make life easier for yourself. Stop make doing stuff the hard way. Or, you know what, but that's the difference. They're thinking that they're doing stuff the easy way, and they're making things, and he's making things a little bit harder. But Casey man. Matt, we gotta get out of here, man. You know we appreciate good the show call. as always, fellas. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thank you. All right, yo, we got we got we got some grind stuff that we need to talk about real quick before we, you know, we're gonna have like two minutes to talk about NBA free agency, but that's still gonna be going on, so we can talk about that next week as well. But before we do that, I definitely want to get into some stuff that happened while you guys were on the grind. And on the grind is brought to you by Sports the Book. If you guys are tired of reading the same old sports book with the same old sports lists, rankings, imaginary starting lineups, what if this person played here and this place person played there, and all kinds of subjective information being passed off as facts, <laughs> like all the spam that's been on our page for the past two weeks, we'll be sure to pick up your copy of Sports. Acronym, so stay with me. Smart people only read the sports. It's a mixture of sports and hip hop culture, and it'll keep you on the edge of your seat. 
and laughing like you're watching a comedy special. Just go to sportsthebook.com or get your copy from our website at warroomsports.com. But whatever you do, just make sure you don't miss that movement. All right, real quick, Lakerland, kind of buzzing right now because Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, by all accounts, these guys are supposed to be friends. But, you know, they're always taking shots at each other in public. So Kyle Kuzma said something to Yahoo about Lonzo Ball being the, the, the player hater of the year. And then Lonzo Ball actually makes a diss track about Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. Like, for me, I'm like, all right, these two young boys playing. I'm not saying it's totally acceptable because y'all need to be getting to work. Y'all need to kind of be setting an example especially if you're trying to land LeBron James and Paul George and cats like that to come play with y'all, you have to show some level of maturity over this summer. If if any summer ever in your life, it has to be this one. But still, I thought, you know, you know, them playing, but the media seems to be taking it a little more seriously. And even LeVar Ball was being interviewed and said something like, yeah, well, you know, Kyle Kuzma got out of line and said some stuff. So Lonzo had to do this. Lonzo had to do that. And what the media is harping on, B, is in the song, he said some lyrics about Kyle Kuzma not knowing his dad. And that's a real story. Like, this dude doesn't know, never met his father, doesn't know who his father is. So it's gotten kind of personal on some Pusha T, Drake type type stuff. And the Lakers have actually stepped in and told them, all right, tone it down. And even Kuzma's mom tweeted, was like, all right, guys, time to get back to work. So, you know, they might be that cool that they could say stuff like that, even if it got a little bit personal. But, you know, what are your quick thoughts on this? You know, the Lakers organization even had to step in and tell these dudes to stop clowning because the Lakers are about to try to make some power moves out here in this free agent world. And these dudes out here creating diss tracks about each other. Couple, couple so, things. Every, every, everything is not for public consumption. And right. some of what they do, oh, if they truly are <laughs> friends and homies, it's got to stay in the bounds of the locker room. And you're right, because it's 2018 and they're from a generation where they don't know life without everything being broadcast, it really goes back to um, Fabulous's line, money isn't the root of all evil, now attention is. So it's like they don't know how to keep that stuff out of the limelight. You know, and, and, and listen, War Room Sports has a locker room, but the things in our locker room will never see the light of day. It has no place for public consumption. And it's like that's a part of it. Then there's the deeper levels to this, which is purely conjecture. I do think that they do have a level of, of friendship and affection for one another. I think that because they're young men growing up in this day and time, there's just no no boundary and there's no the people that they right. have to show them. You know, like you really don't them. even know friend code because you think everything is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, they don't public. know. Now the dad, the dad doesn't like Kyle Kuzma because he perceives everything and everyone as a threat to his boys. And ultimately to him. And so some of, I don't think Lonzo has really truly informed LeVar as to how tight he and Kuzma really are in terms of friendship. You got LeVar over here who just perceives him as a threat. Lonzo's kind of like, nah, that's my, my homie. 
he and LeVar talk in confidence. So Lonzo kind of made a mistake and threw some shit in. Sub, maybe it's even subconsciously, but took some jabs that may have even come from his dad in that song, not realizing. Because again, Lonzo's still, he's a kid. He's a grown kid, but he's a kid. And now right. Kuzma, that's perceived. There's nowhere that that can be perceived as correct. Then LaVar is talking crap about the tattoos because Kuzma tatted up and LaVar has an old school mentality when it comes to tattoos. It's been a lot. It's been a lot that's going on out there. This is bad for the Lakers. It's a bad look for I actually salute those guys for becoming fast friends and and becoming friends because, you know, that's when you have a real friendship when you can basically say anything to each other and you can both laugh about it. Like you said, it's just the culture of today where everything has to be public. Like you, me, Jimmy, and, and our tight circle. Come on, man. We said some of the most ignorant things to and about each other, to each other's faces that you could ever imagine. And we just laugh at it, but it's <laughs> not for public consumption. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say that to you in front of, the world. Like we got a podcast here with thousands of people. Listen, I'm not going to say that to you on the podcast. Right. Like we know what, what's friend code. We know what we can say in public and what we'll never say in public. I think those you have boundaries. Um, and it's different. And the I people, and the people that would teach them, the people that would teach them the boundaries, LeVar is an asshole. So he can't teach his son anything. Plus, and yeah, Kuzma ain't right now. Okay. He on his dog eat dog thing. Like he don't care who Lonzo's cool with because he takes shots at all Lakers except for um uh Lonzo, coach and executives included. So I, I don't care. I, I I think he don't care who the hell is cool with his son. But let's move on. You know the World Cup is underway. You know, that's right in your wheelhouse because you are the resident, uh the biggest soccer fan here at excuse me, football fan here in the war room. This is about the World Cup, but not really about the World Cup. A Russian lawmaker mm-hmm. urges the local women not to have sex with foreigners at the World Cup. So I don't know if it's just local women. Is he talking to the toots? I don't know who he's talking to, but the dude name is oh, I'm sorry. I think it's a woman. Her name is Tamara Plentyova. She told a Moscow radio station that local women should avoid having sex with foreign men during the 2018 World Cup. She later added that if a woman truly feels the need to do so, she should find a partner of the same race. I'm like, okay, was it really about foreigners? Or are you saying, you know, don't let none of those black dudes or them Latinos in it? <laughs> because we don't want any mixing here. <laughs> After um, everything is gone and said and done, we don't want little black Russians Shout out to the drink running around. <laughs> one of the things that, that is one of the things that's lost on American soccer fans, uh, or I'll say sports fans, because we, you know, a lot of us don't follow soccer. Football is that football culture in Europe is very racist, and the further east you go, the more racist it gets. So you start with England, England. Mild racism, not much. France, a little bit more, but not much. Germany, we starting, we starting to get somewhere. Spain, we we cooking, we cooking with Greece. Italy, <laughs> yo, they down, they downright, they downright racist. 
You get to the Eastern European and you get Nazi Eastern flags. Block. You get to the Eastern Bloc, you get Nazis you get Nazi signs in the actual stadiums where black players play and banana peels thrown on the on the field and, and racial abuse. And the reason that black players and South American players take it is because the money in soccer is so high. There are guys that you don't know, and I don't know, Dev, or wouldn't know unless, you know, my son loves it, so now I'm into it, that make 10 and $15 million a season playing soccer. We don't even know who they are, but they're, they're making money on that level, and so they withstand the racial abuse. But if you play in Greece, Italy, any of the Eastern Bloc countries, or Russia, Oh, you already know it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to have banana peels thrown on the field. You're going to have monkey signs. You're going to see uh, Heil Hitler symbols. You're going to see swastikas. Not so much in Russia because Russia has a, a, a fierce opposition to fascism and, and Nazism. But the racism still shows up. It still shows up. They are racist towards, you know, and it and it's a nationalist leaning. So it's it's at the nationalist level, and that's why you hear it kind of trickled down as foreigners, which is coded language for black people and Latino people. Yeah, that's, right. that's a real thing. That's a real thing. All right, well, fact them. <laughs> and let's move on. <laughs> uh, so the, the Los Angeles Rams were ordered to pay uh, former NFL running back Reggie Bush $12.5 million in damages for a knee injury he suffered in St. Louis, back when the Rams were still in St. Louis, in 2015. Now, here's the situation. When he was playing for the Niners, you know, in 2015, they were playing against um, uh, the Rams at the Edward Jones Dome. He ran out of bounds on a punt and then slipped on some concrete. When he did that, he tore his lateral meniscus, which ended his season, and Bush argued in court that he would have gotten a bigger contract after that had he not gotten in, had he not gotten injured that day. Now, yeah. the reason why the jury, you know, went for this and actually paid him damages is because he wasn't the first person to complain about this dangerous condition that exists at the dome. Um, he called it himself a quote unquote concrete ring of death because you know he had to you know as they say in D.C. he had to size it to get his twelve point five. Mm-hmm. But a week before he suffered his injury, um, Josh McCown, who was then the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, he got hurt on the same slab of concrete. He ran out of bounds and he slid across it, hit the wall, and injured his shoulder. So you know, a lot of people were saying, like, this is this is a this was because they don't they're not there anymore. This was a very unnecessary slab of slippery concrete just sitting in the wrong place of of, of a stadium. And people were actually getting injured. When I first saw this, I'm like, wow, they paying people for this now? But, hey, get yeah. your money, little duffel bag boy. <laughs> However you got to get it, get your money. So, yeah, that, that was a little weird situation. So Reggie Bush is basically done. He's a commentator now, a studio analyst, and he's still getting paid from NFL teams for doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> it didn't do much his whole career. So it's like, no, let me not say that. Reggie was off. This, this is this is a big one, and we only got a couple minutes, so we we can't spend the rest of our couple minutes all on this. But LeBron James 
um, ex-boyfriend, the, the rapper dude, Lambo, mm-hmm. he's supposedly written a tell-all book, and he's dropping dirt about LeBron James in this book. One of the stories being that LeBron had a secret affair with Beyonce behind Jay-Z's back, and LeBron has a secret love child with a Cleveland-area news anchor. Um, you know, he, he's draking a baby that no one knows about. And LeBron was trying to get, you know, the, this book stopped. You know, I don't know if it's just because, you know, people believe anything they read or if there's any truth to the matter. Um, it's, 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 it might be a messy summer for LeBron. I don't know when the book is scheduled to be released. But let's let's not even I'm not even gonna say assume. Let's just play the speculation game. Let's just play the Terry. Um, <laughs> just imagine if this stuff was true. First of all, the way that he and 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 and, and he used to parade around, he supposed to be his young boy. That would be some. That would be straight dirty. Like we've seen photos where people tried to make it seem like. Beyonce was looking at LeBron a certain way, but if he was offered that box and he opened that box, that would be so dirty. It's <laughs> so dirty. But if you think about it, the way they used to talk about each other, you really haven't seen that same type of relationship, at least publicly, from LeBron and Jay Z over the past few years. I don't, you know. It's just yeah, they haven't been cool. They haven't been cool. They haven't been cool for about five for about five years, so, yeah. so you I wonder know. if there's anything know. to it. I definitely not believe even... the love child. I definitely believe the love child thing because they do a great job of protecting his image and painting him as this great family guy. But LeBron has been caught sliding in Instagram model DMs for the past decade. I don't even know if Instagram's been around for a decade, but LeBron's been sliding in DMs for a decade. So I, I definitely believe that. Yeah. So it could be something that you think, but the Beyonce rumor might be a little far fetched. And it, yeah, I mean, it's even if man, it's just dirty, but at the same time, you know, men are men. If you had a shot that, you might just have to be dirty. <laughs> but, but but I'm just like I keep going back to it like that would be so dirty, so so dirty. And and the fact that they haven't been, you know, seen chumming it up as much publicly, like for me, that wouldn't be necessarily because Jay Z knows or knew. That might have just been LeBron and his conscience, and and Beyonce and her conscience, just keeping their distance. But I'm hoping that there's nothing to that. You know, I'm hoping there's nothing to the other side as well because LeBron has crafted a very positive image and you know if he did some dirt like that crimes of the flesh you know temptation type things like it doesn't take away from the type of person he is as far as uh social things go but you know when you're hiding secrets that big people tend to 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 look down on your credibility just a little bit so i hope none of this is is real i hope the homie lambo is just uh, a scorned ex-lover. Um, I don't know what's up with Gloria in the first place, place for getting involved with cats like this. <laughs> but, 
Oh, we sorry. shall see. So we don't have much time left. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about NBA free agency, where some guys might end up going, you know, LeBron, Paul George, uh, Kevin Durant, even though he's already come out and said that he's re-signing with the Golden State Warriors. I think if he got that call from LeBron James, I think he might consider changing his mind on that because it's just the type of dudes they are. Um, so we're just going to do some quick birthday shout-outs before we get up out of here because hey, come on, we have come plenty of time next week to talk free agency, and, and we're going to make sure we make a whole lot of time for that next week along with you know our live NBA draft coverage. So it's going to be another Hoops episode next week. Uh, Hoops is going to still be strong on everybody's mind and strong on everybody's TV. Um, even though there won't be any games being played. But uh, the birthday shout-outs, I guess it. <laughs> shout-out to uh, Ernie Johnson, how EJ's Nito status of night has been unsullied by sponsorship since 1989. Well, our birthday segment has been unsullied by sponsorship for the past two months. So the birthday shout-outs are brought to you by God, whichever God you may <laughs> worship. And Chris McAllister, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, he turns 41. Chris McAllister is 41? Jeez. Damn. Shout out to him. Uh, Sam Shade, who uh, is a friend of the program. Sam Shade has been on an episode of The War Room a few years back, so shout out to him. He turns 45. Rick Brunson, who has a son who's about to be an NBA player, he turns 46, Bruce Bowen, dang, defensive maven, uh, formerly of the San Antonio Spurs, turns 47. Steffi Graff is 49 years old. You remember back, um, there was a time when, like, you turned, like, 22, and you were basically too old to play tennis. <laughs> like, yeah. you were ancient in 22. Yep. I think Venus yep. and Serena brought us into a new era because they, you know, still getting it in. <laughs> Uh, former they Philadelphia Flyer Eric Dijardin turns 49. Uh, Jamie Dukes, former NFL center, who's now, I believe, on the NFL Network. He's 54. Man, cool as Sam Perkins turns 57. Uh-huh. Vince, Evans. Like that Vince Evans, one of the, you know, back in the day, black quarterbacks from the, from the Raiders. He turns 63. I'm going to give a rest in peace shout out to the legendary uh, women's basketball coach, Pat Summit, who was born yes. June 14th, 1952. And she passed on June 28th, 2016. So, give a room salute to all rest of these. Folks. Hold on, hold on, Dan. Hold on, hold on. We got one more Yay. birthday. Go ahead. One more birthday. Current soccer star. For the Georgia Soccer Academy, the young Jimon Anderson turned ten on June sixteenth. We're gonna see you in the World Cup <laughs> in a few birthday. years. We'll be watching you. All right, so happy We're birthday down. to my nephew as well. So look, thank you, brothers and sisters. You know we always appreciate your time. In the War Room, shout out to everybody in the chat room, Facebook, Twitter, War Room Sports, Game Time on the GroupMe app. And all the callers who called in to holler at us, special thanks to Fred Perdue 
for joining us for some college football talk. Tune in next week live right here on demand as we catch you up on everything happening around the world of sports, including live coverage of the NBA draft and NBA free agency. So until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your week. We'll see you right back here next week. Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts on warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up Jimmy's book, Sports the Book, at sportsthebook.com or at warroomsports.com. Until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity and be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps on top. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.